crystals have been an amazing way for people to speed up and open up spiritual evolution and consciousness ascension. Crystals can be a great aid towards helping move you along further in your understanding that you are greater than a physical body, that life is more than waking up in the morning, drinking coffee, going to work, coming home. There's multiple layers of reality going on and crystals make you aware of that. And for me, they've helped me harmonize those different realities together and help me make connections that I might never have made. What are you most passionate about? Bring crystals to that. Welcome to Woke and Wired, a new conversation about expanded consciousness and entrepreneurship. Welcome back to Woken Wired. I'm your host, Ksenia, and this week I'm recording from Tucson, Arizona, where I am with my fiance, Eric. We're here for the Tucson Gem and Mineral Show, enjoying all the cacti and the desert. And today's episode is all about crystals. I am so very excited to bring this all-encompassing, super broad conversation where Eric shares how he got into crystals way before most people knew about their metaphysical properties, what role it has played in his business life, in his ascension life. And he shares lots of practical tools of how to choose them, how to use them, how to work with them. And also we get into the ethical side of the crystal business and how we all can be more conscious in how we approach crystals and bring them into our lives. If you enjoy this episode, please share your takeaways on Instagram and tag at Wired. I would love to hear them. And if you want to get into crystals on a deeper way and learn some of the very practical tools to work with them, go head over to crystalcriminals.com and check out the Crystals IRL course that Eric and I have recorded and put a lot of love into. We share all the tools that we personally use to bring crystals into our business, into our home, to use them as a tool for developing your intuition. And it's a lot of fun. I also included all the links that we mention in this conversation in the show notes, which you can find on WokenWire.com. If you're newer here, you may not know about Crystal Criminals. It's one of the Instagram accounts that I have started together with Eric. And it is these gorgeous crystal grids that he puts together and channels intuitive messages for. And it resonated so quickly with so many people. And it's truly something very different. So if you haven't checked it out, go to Instagram and find Crystal Criminals. You can use... A lot of those grids we have posted in, on stories and the highlights, and you can set them as a screensaver for your phone because all these different grids, they have different intentions and different programming. So whether you're looking for abundance or confidence or self-expression, we have different intentions for different grids marked there, and you can use them as screenshots. And we have had people over the years send us some crazy stories and results that they have had after using those grids on their phones and their computers as a screensaver. It's really cool how even when you are not holding those crystals personally, 
you can still feel their impact, just like with social media. And before Eric and I get into this conversation, I also wanted to tell you that I was on Ashley Wood's Manifest This podcast, actually twice, but in episode 52, I get all into how Eric and I got engaged at a crystal market in Namibia. So if you want to hear more of the personal side of some of the stories that we share in this conversation on this episode, then check out Manifest This with Ashley Wood, episode 52. But for now, here is the very candid, the very broad, and hopefully educational conversation about crystals with Eric Brief, who is a digital marketing agency owner and also a teacher who teaches digital agencies how to sell. Eric is an overall multi-talented guy who is also an artist and has so many skills that have profoundly impacted my life and business. We get into more of that in the conversation. Here is Eric Brief. All right, Eric, welcome to the Woken Wired podcast. This is actually take two because you have previously been on the podcast in a very different context. I totally forgot. That's right. But you're someone who has quite the expertise in several areas, and I have referenced you and the way that you have impacted my business and my journey on my personal development pathway. (laughs) And... Today, we're here to talk about something completely different that at the same time does have a very direct correlation to business and to your entrepreneurial journey. So crystals. Crystals. Well, before we even jump in, I I did want to say that I did forget that I was on the podcast before, but I will say I'm honored to be on the podcast um, about something you know, specific uh, crystals, which I think, I guess in some ways is because my expertise in crystals are, you know, quotation marks around expertise. Because there's so many amazing people that have been on the podcast and I've read your reviews. People say amazing things about the podcast and how you've impacted their lives. And I remember when it just started, you've been so incredible in keeping it going. And you were the first review actually. So thank you for starting it out. I don't think it got registered actually. Remember? It did. Oh, it did. Yeah. Oh, thank God. Whew. Feels good. So I'm just very happy to be here. And I want to, I want to just, you're just going to get me unfiltered. It's impossible to have a filter here. Uh, we all know that. Those who have heard <laughs> you before. <laughs> so I was thinking about making this conversation like a conversation with a crystal expert where I ask all the questions. And then at the end, I reveal that you are my fiance. But I think too many people already know that you are someone I live with and share life with. So we'll just get that out of the way and jump straight into crystals. What role have crystals played in your journey as a business person? Oh, that's a great question. Very direct. I love how one of the things I like to do in business and sales particularly is ask a question that has many worlds contained inside of that one question. So you could have been asking me questions about my business journey. You could ask me questions about 
crystals and you could have, you know, but that one question was so all encompassing. And I would say that the crystal has been like the ace in my pocket throughout my business life because I didn't know it at the time. Early on, when I first got my first job in sales, I didn't know it that I was using crystals as a performance enhancing tool. I just always carried crystals in my pocket. And then as time went on at my desk, I, you know, let's call it seven years ago, I got a job working at a company, which was really weird for me because I'd never worked in like a business environment, had a cubicle and one of those phones and a headset and everything like that. And I would put my desk, all these grounding stones because I knew that I was easily distractible. What kind of stones? I had a, a combination. So I had tiger's iron, red jasper, smoky quartz, and black tourmaline. So would you recommend those stones to someone who is easily distractible and needs grounding? A hundred percent. And in fact, I at some point did include in a nickel iron meteorite from Argentina area, Campo del Cielo, at some point, you know, a little bit further on. Then I kind of went a little crazy with crystals. I was like, you know, let me try this. And I remember I bought this lazulite from Canada, which was very, I was like 80 bucks. It was a tiny piece. And the person who was cleaning the office threw it out on my desk. <laughs> it was heartbreaking. No. It wasn't just that it, it cost 80 bucks. It was that I really liked the crystal. But what I actually think was really my most memorable crystal moment, like the beginning of it being serious, is that I would often meditate my desk. So probably like everything that I did that I got resistance for like 10, 12 years ago, like becoming a raw vegan for two years or meditating and crystals, all that stuff, it was like pretty, you were still weird if you did that stuff then. And meditation maybe was just getting some recognition, but everyone would be like, how do you meditate? What's meditation? It was nuts. And like, what do you do with a crystal? It's a shiny. Like, it was so wacky. I remember thinking at the time, like, these things are so amazing. How do people not know about them? That, I guess that bothered me. But when I got to this office, it was only seven years ago, I think crystals were just like on the verge of becoming more popular. People had heard, women had heard about them. No men unless they knew about crystals from one guy had cancer and he had crystals to help him um, Where? At, at an office I worked at. He had cancer. He was a friend of mine. And he said, Oh, I tried all these different things. I, I use crystals. And I was, I was so impressed. And, but the big moment was before these things called contests. So in sales, there were different metrics that they would try to push you towards, like setting up appointments, closing deals. So they're trying to get you to encourage you to do more kinds of actions that would lead to the results that would make the company money. And so they'd reward people by giving pretty big like contests in which you could win a $1,500 gift certificate to Bloomingdale's or go on a trip to the Bahamas or what was another really cool one? Just, oh, fancy restaurants. Oh, there were some really fun ones, but mostly bragging rights. That was what I really loved about it. And I loved creating the, like winning all the contests so that I just felt like everyone was intimidated, like I was invincible and I could feel invincible. So before contests, I was very, very clear that 
I needed to, I was going to meditate and ground and center myself. So you'd qualify, you spend all week setting up all these appointments. And then on Friday at the end of the week, that's when like the actual contest part happened. So you got points for all the things that you did during the course of the week. And then there was like this kind of like goofy, crazy thing that was like pin the tail on the donkey or, you know, a game of like throw the ball into the cup type beer pong thing with water. And so before these games, I would meditate and close my eyes. Now you have to understand is that there were 30 to 50 people in the office gathered around with such high energy. And I would literally go to the other side, turn around in my chair, close my eyes and meditate amongst this incredible loud office. And people were looking at me. I could feel their energy and they were saying, oh my God, what is he doing? Meditating right now with crystals, mocking me to the moon. But I knew I didn't take it personally. I didn't even get upset with them. They just didn't know what to think of it. And so I would come in and meditate and I'd have like some sort of clarity. The clarity was like, how do I win this contest? And then the other part of the clarity was just like this intense groundedness and focusness that I was bringing that I knew no one else had. One, because I wasn't doing any drinking a beer or anything like that. Other people were. But the other one was I had my energy laser focused. And when I would do this contest, I would just win. People would look at me and be like, there's no way I can beat this guy. And I would just perform. And I knew that the crystals gave me a huge advantage, huge. So what I want to point out right here is that from the story, it's clear that you're a super competitive guy. And at the same time, you're a very emotionally tapped in guy that is into lots of spiritual things. You're very generous. You're very tuned into people. And it's like this thing that might seem like polar opposites that you combine in yourself. So how does a guy that's ambitious, unstoppable, that has this desire to win, that lives in New York, born and raised, get into crystals and into meditation? Because you were way ahead of the curve on those things. You know what? I appreciate that. I got into crystals at an early age. It wasn't like I, I didn't know anything about the metaphysics behind crystals. I didn't know that crystals were a thing that was metaphysical even. I just once had this rock identification kit. It didn't even have just like nice crystals. It, it had one crystal that was cool looking, which was tiger's eye. And I remember I went up to my dad. My brother had it for some reason. He's an older brother. And it was like a, it was like in this plastic sleeve and it was all dirty and like, it looked really like, you know, schlubby, so to speak. I go, dad, this thing, like, what is it? Like tiger's eye? Like what is tiger's eye? He's like, oh, it's, you know, stone, Eric. And I looked at it and, and there's a, the shininess, you can call it chatoyance. It was so incredible that I said, dad, like, how did this happen? He goes, oh, it was, you know, it's a rock. And I was just like, what do you mean? He's like, I was like, is it man-made? He goes, no, it's not. And I just didn't understand it. I was like, this is absolutely magical. Now, I, I would spend a lot of time looking at the rock, and I, it was glued to the paper. And I tried so hard to take it off, but I knew that my dad was going to be upset and my brother was going to be upset. But I, I had to hold it. It was just at some point I did break it off and I held it, but I would look at it if I couldn't hold it. And I, I felt so connected. And then as time would go on, there'd be these different stores you'd go to sometimes gift stores and 
you know, baseball card stores, all these things like had some overlap in the nineties with crystals at some point. And we never bought crystals. My dad wasn't like, Oh, we weren't like a buying collecting thing. I did buy basketball cards and baseball cards, but we weren't like a, it wasn't like a thing that we would do. I would look at them. But then later on in my life, I got to college and I had already been introduced to meditation when I was like 14. During one of my classes, the teacher would have us take 10 breaths and I would either have like a, a profoundly deep experience in those 10 breaths, or I would want to kill this teacher because 10 breaths seemed like a lifetime. And so it was very polar, this polarized experience of, of meditation, knowing that it could lead to something amazing and that this is also so boring. So when I got to college, I went to the school for individualized study at NYU and I was interested in you know, these things. But for the first time I had teachers that were also interested in like Reiki and alternative medicine. They were teaching these things. And I was studying to be a doctor in college. I wanted to be a doctor real bad, but I got much more interested in the Eastern medicine part or the as elements of medicine that was involved, not with, you know, physical, but the spiritual side of it. And so one of my classes in my freshman year, I learned about Reiki and I learned about all these things like kinetic awareness, Alexander Technique, Feldenkrais Method, Rolfing, uh, esoteric healing. I learned about so many things. And I got attuned in Reiki level one, level two, but before I was 19 years old. And I would have these meditation sessions. And I was actually the only guy in this small course with six other women. It was It was kind of embarrassing sometimes because they would always talk about women's things and I didn't understand some of them, but I loved the meditation part and I had a deep connection. And so that's when I started learning about meditation and healing and that kind of thing. And I thought it was so amazing and fascinating. I would ask people these questions and my family and my friends, like, you heard of this thing before Reiki? Like, have you heard about like meditation? Do you know? Nobody knew what I was so surprised. Like there's something so palpable and real and impactful in my life that I just learned. And nobody that I had ever met in my life besides that one high school teacher almost even acknowledged that it existed. And so I kind of ran with it. I really am, I had an, an advisor in college, believe it or not, who was like a dance a therapist, PhD. And she was so encouraging. And the way she lived her life and the way other students in the class lived their lives, it made it seem so like awesome and real. And I had these people in my life who were interested and tuned into this. And then and I, I made this really cool, I'm also an artist. So I made a really cool crystal sculpture. And I went to school in Chinatown, my second year of college. I lived in Chinatown. And there was this, there's a couple of crystal places down there. And I decided to make this, like a human sculpture with a different color stone in each one of the chakras representing. So it was like a red for the root chakra and then, you know, purple at the sixth chakra or crown chakra. And then I made it and I thought, I was like, oh man, this is revolutionary, man. Putting some crystals in here and making a wire sculpture with this, like this is wacky. Then what was amazing, this really blew my mind. I was in this pre-med research program over the summer between my sophomore and junior year. And it was pretty much this moment where I felt so out of place 
because I knew that none of these people in this program were anything like me. And it wasn't just an assumption, but I got a chance to do research in a lab, which is pretty much making, preparing agar plates and doing the same thing over and over again, which pretty much bored me to death. But there was this one research professor who was the guy who was my supervisor. I got so lucky because he taught me about Herkimer diamonds. He told me, he's like, oh, there's this place you can find crystals and mine quartz. And I was like, what are you, are you, you? And I was so impressed that he knew these things because he was supposed to be some sort of boring scientist. But he, the only thing I remember from this entire, <laughs> this is hilarious. It was like six weeks of going to this lab every day. What I remember most is us talking about crystals. And he told me he had one of those problems with his ear where things weren't equalizing and he had vertigo and all the things he tried. And so I felt like I could help him balance the chakras. So I gave him the sculpture of these different crystals and the chakras. And I think he had some sort of understanding of these things at a basic level. But so for somebody in his position as being like a a postdoc in this program, being head lab researcher, that was a very big deal for him to even consider these possibilities. So that really opened up my horizons. Then I got involved with one another professor with shamanism, and I learned about this when I was a senior. Now, at this point, I had already gotten you know into crystals deeper, but keep in mind that I didn't have any money. So, oh, there's one terrible experience I had where I got I stayed up really late and I bought this a bunch of fancy crystals from China, like on eBay. I was into eBay since 1999. And I come into biology class and I tell the teacher, I bought so many crystals from China last night. And he's like, Eric, we're in the middle of biology class. Shut up. It was so (laughs) disruptive. But fast forward, I got into this shamanism thing in in college. I learned about finding your spirit animal. We went to Burning Man after college. Like all my, my, all my friends from my. With your professor. With my professor. Yeah. My professor and all the people in, it's called the Gallatin School of Individualized Study, which is like, I call it like weird guy school. At NYU, it's a small, smaller college. Only a hundred people out of the, or in my grade, or whatever they all in my year, and these people who were in it were just like other people who were interested in different things and spirituality. And we went to Burning Man. I was so lost at Burning Man. Man, I just finished college. I didn't want to become a doctor anymore. I didn't know what I wanted to do with myself. And it was so strange to be at this place in Burning Man because I felt like I was always somebody who was like pushing the limits of like, oh yeah, crystals, they're a thing. But I get to Burning Man and I see it's this whole world where I feel like I have no idea what's going on here. But I wasn't necessarily interested in everything. I was just blown away that there's so much of the quote unquote alternative world that I had no idea of. And so instead of feeling like I was somebody who was introducing people to things. I felt like like a small fish in the ocean. And that was like a really sobering experience. But believe it or not, I did go to Israel the next year because I was so lost. I was like, oh man, I got to go to someplace that like, you know, is familiar for me. So I went to Israel for the year and I live with my aunt. How my, come Israel was familiar? Oh, well, because I grew up in um, going to Jewish school, Jewish on the Upper West Side, having Jewish day school, speaking you know Hebrew and learning Torah and that kind of thing from a very early age, and my brother had gone to Israel after college, just you know kind of to study some more at a nice like you know not like an extreme religious place, but a very moderate place where you could really study from an intellectual level and 
have a good time. And so I went there too, because I visited him like four years earlier. And uh, my aunt is actually pretty into all sorts of healing stuff too, which is, she's like the only one in my family actually, who is ever interested in these things. So she also knew different people who were involved in healing. And she she was also interested in other different healing modalities. So that was in, like nurtured further there. And she also introduced me further to eating healthy, like healthy eating. And it was kind of like, that was really the thread that was coming next to my life was you could eat healthfully and that would make you quote unquote better. It was like, you, your life would be better if you ate more healthfully. That led me on this journey to become a raw vegan. So I got back from there. And one of my friends from that I met in Israel said, Eric, there's this thing called the uh, Chazon Jewish Food Conference. And I was like, food conference? Sounds amazing. I love food. She's like, go, there's all these interesting things. I was like, but it's in California. She's like, no, there's, you could have a, um, you could get a scholarship to go. I'm like, oh man. I guess I'll do it because I really care. So the idea of even filling out a scholarship form was foreign to me. I was like, oh, no, I don't want to do a form here. I don't, you know, I have to, I have to write something. And anyway, long story short, I ended up doing this thing and it was completely life changing because at one of these sessions, there was this thing about raw food. I'll never forget it. These guys, they had this raw food session. I was like, oh my God, this sounds so stupid. Now, keep in mind that I, I was just starting to, like get rid of all processed foods and start making all of my meals. But it already seemed very extreme, like mostly eating fish at the time and not having any meat or it it just seemed very extreme to everyone around me. But these raw food people seemed crazy, like wackos. And I was like, well, well, you know, let's check it out. So even when I think something is crazy in life, I always listen to it. That's like probably the big message behind all of this is these people, even though they seem crazy, I looked at them and I saw, I was like, well, how passionate are they about this? And they seem very passionate. So I went in there and, I, and then like a week later I became a raw vegan. <laughs> and then that is when I really hit crystal dome. So that, that being a raw vegan for something about it, like made my energy, my energetic field more penetrable to the energy of crystals. I went through this period where I would, I could hold the crystal and it touched me so deeply. I could feel all of the energies of a crystal and I could, I'd hold it at one of these like crystal shows or what have you. And I would say, this is what I'm feeling. And someone would like look in a crystal book. I'm like, oh man, that's exactly what this book says about it. And I thought that was kind of cool. I mean, I had, I had a real serious like mushroom trip without mushrooms, just holding a Moldavite one time. It was outrageous. So crystals were something that had always been there. But when I finally got a job, it wasn't like I walked in with crystals. It was just that they were always there coming in and out and other things were taking you know, front and back to it. And so as I got more successful and rose up the ranks of the company, the fact that I had crystals became even more interesting and controversial to people around <laughs> to you. people around me yeah and then i started giving people the crystals in the office and ironically as i moved along in the company crystals became a little bit more mainstream and mostly women were like well eric you know i've I was thinking i was thinking about what you said about crystals 
It's like, I have the right crystal for you. Or I ha- and I would, you know, give people different crystal gifts. And sometimes I'd give one to someone, they'd be like, what do I do with this? You know, you're crazy. But uh, that pretty much sums it up with business when it comes to crystals. What I want to point out here is that you've touched on so many areas that have also played a huge role in my life. And I think play a huge role in life of anyone who is awakening or leading a more conscious lifestyle, which is healthy food, crystals, and spiritual experiences, whether that's something as extreme as going to Burning Man or just being in a community of like-minded people that you come together to understand what your potential is and expand energetically so that your human can step into that expansiveness. And what's interesting to me is that you are someone who takes things to the extreme. And you're also not stopped by the fact that no one around you was into it besides select people and select circles. So what was it about your experiences with crystals that kept you so interested in them for such a long time up until now? It's a great point because I'm no longer a raw vegan. But I do always different shamanistic things for sure. But crystals is, is that thread. I think what you're saying is this thread of crystals is, has always been there. I think that in some, it's going to sound funny. In some ways, the fact that crystals are just beautiful has always made it, given me like an easy reason to say like, I love them or to show people crystals like, hey, look, isn't this beautiful as like the gateway to get them to see like, well, you know, what do you, what do you think? Like, is, do you think there's a chance that maybe this crystal has some sort of power that's beyond the way it looks, that it could impact your life beyond seeing. And I felt like that was a good hook. <laughs> like I don't know if I consciously thought that or subconsciously thought that. The crystals have stayed in my life because I've been able to bring them to everything that I do. So I bring them to my business. I bring them to my meditation. I bring them to sports. Oh, I've taped crystals to my chest and and worn them during basketball games and played (laughs) real well. I bring crystals to my artwork. So beyond beauty, all these areas of your life, beyond beauty, what is it about crystals that makes you keep bringing them into all these areas of your life? I don't have a canned answer for that, but I do have an answer that came to my mind right away, which was that I'm a very tactile person. I'm a kinesthetic person. And you can hold crystals. You can't hold the feeling of being zenned out from a great meditation session in your hand. It's a fleeting memory and it's fleeting period. You'll never get back to where you got back for better, for worse. But a crystal is something that I could hold and touch in my hand. And it, while it stays constant, my relationship to that crystal and my who I'm being in relation to that crystal, it does shift. And I do interact with that crystal differently. And so I just love that I can kind of put a crystal down and then come back to it and then see what it's like. And then kind of almost see how I've changed through my relationship with the crystal, how I view the crystal. Oh, this crystal is not as attractive as I thought it was. Or, wow, this crystal is really powerful. I'm keeping it in my closet for a long time. So it's like a physical representation of what you're going through on a metaphysical level. Totally. A lot of, a lot of ways that's 
that's totally accurate. Another reason I love crystals is because they're so shiny and beautiful. Like just, I mean, you don't need me to tell you, you look at these things and you're just like, damn, these are incredible. The first thing I said to myself, I said, well, I guess I said it to myself. I was at the Tucson Gem and Mineral Show two years ago. That was before Crystal Criminals. It was like the the precursor to this explosion of wanting to bring crystals into the world of my artwork. I had made many pieces of jewelry for over 10 years with crystals. But I went to this Gem and Mineral Show because I always wanted to go. I never had enough money to go, really, or it never seemed important enough, or nobody I had known ever went. It was like this idea that only crystal dealers went. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go now. It's time for me to go. And I went to the show and I was surprised because what showed up for me most at the show was, I can't believe this stuff comes from the earth. It blew me away. It's like these things are grown in this earth. All these people are coming together because they've pulled these things out of the earth from their corner of the world and they're all gathering. These things that, you know, fluoresce under UV lights, that shine incredible lights, like pyrite, oh my, it's like a disco ball or quartz or whatever, all these different things. It was amazing. Can you explain? I know we keep being carried away by the shininess and beauty of it (laughs) and it's hard to not focus on it, but... Can you explain to us, and I know that we've led some crystal workshops and you have a very beautiful and clear way of explaining how it is that crystals actually work. Oh, that's something that I'll talk about. Yeah, why not? I will say that I have a, a pretty good, a moderate background in chemistry and science. Not that that's going to you know, give the explanation as to why crystals work from a hard science perspective, but I will say that. I'm very fascinated in how, why crystals look a certain way, why they form, why they take certain, you know, crystallizations and stuff like that. So that's kept it going. But I will say that when it comes to crystals, you know, we use crystals in our technology right now. So have you ever seen the word quartz on your watch? It's got something called the quartz movement, meaning when you apply an electric current to a quartz crystal, it will vibrate at a certain frequency. And it's that frequency, right, that the the frequency of the frequency that is moving the hand on your watch. So electricity, it's called the piezoelectric effect. So when you vibrate a piece of quartz, it will also create an electrical current. Or when you put an electrical current through quartz, it will vibrate. So That idea of crystals being able to transmute one type of energy into another type of energy is the explanation that I always see that makes sense. So for example, a crystal is something that is like a radio signal that's being broadcast at all times. And so my body and different organs and different elements of myself are always also broadcasting a frequency. And so when I come across the crystal's energy and I, you know, get in tune with it, with my energy, I get impacted and I get a shift in me because I'm tuning in. Just like that sympathetic resonance when you sing into a guitar, you know, into the strings, they will vibrate also. So you become attuned with a crystal and every crystal has its own energy. And it's your, well, in my mind, when I hold the crystal and close my eyes and I listen to that crystal, 
I'm attuning to it. And whatever energy it's got, I don't have all the answers, right? That energy somehow impacts, influences me and interacts with me. And the way I choose to interact with crystals is, is really a gut feeling. I will pick up a crystal if I'm called to that crystal. Sometimes I see the most beautiful, amazing crystals and I'm like, oh, those are beautiful. And then I walk away and I look towards something that maybe isn't shiny or beautiful at all right now. Fairy stones, I'm holding them right now. I'm obsessed. There's no shine to them at all. Not at all. There's no shine, but there is a a beauty and a natural formation to them and just this geometry of simple shapes and the feeling and the gravity of them. I'm so attracted to them and I want to hold them because they are impacting my life right now. Like there is a, just a an attraction. So I would say to somebody who's looking to get involved in crystals is to really go with your gut and don't and not don't go with your mind. Sometimes picking up a crystal that isn't the right vibe, you get to learn one thing. And then you pick up a crystal that you do vibe with and you're like, "Wow." And then you start getting, you know, for me I know I've gotten better at identifying the wow crystals for me. And it's these wow crystals that, you know, help you win contests at work. What are some of those wow crystals? Well, I can tell you what my wow crystals have been over time, but they're always changing. The first, wow, this is an interesting question. The first wow crystal. Well, I always loved Moldavite. I never had seen one or had one. But I'll never forget when I held the first Moldavite, it wasn't like some sort of overwhelming experience like many people have. I just felt like an intensity and I worked with it over time and I I had reverence. I'm a pretty irreverent guy, but I had this reverence for all crystals, but this Moldavite and it really, it showed me a lot of things and combining the shamanism and all my other spiritual practices with crystals which is something I highly recommend. Even if that spiritual practice is taking a bath, that really made me made me go wacky. So the Moldavite and obviously different kinds of amethyst. I was blown away when I found out there's more than one kind of amethyst. Started realizing that there's one type of crystal like amethyst. Is, there's so many from all around the world, from Mexico and Brazil and Uruguay and, and different African countries. And there's amethyst in the United States. And there's probably amethyst everywhere. Those, and then also blown away by different by different crystals that were like in the higher vibe realm, like celestite, angel connection crystals, danbarite. Oh, I love meteorites. Those. Can you talk away. about qualities about some of those crystals you're mentioning, starting with malachite? Oh, I never said anything about malachite, but it's a very wonderful stone. I love it. Moldavite, sorry. Moldavite, yes. Well, Moldavite is, it's an impactite, which means there was like this big collision many, a very, very long time ago with the earth and some outer space material. And it, it struck the earth so hard that it created this green glass and it was in the Czech Republic. And that's what Moldavite is. It's like a green glass type thing. It's not, it's got different striations on it and stuff like that. Kind of looks like the outside of a walnut some of a walnut shell and the it has a, well it, first of all this is a great way of looking at it 
crystals, the color of a crystal is generally associated with the impact that it will have and what chakras it'll, that's not limited to that. But if something's green, you better believe it's going to impact your heart chakra. If something is purple, it's going to impact your sixth, your third eye or your crown chakra, like for shoresies, which is a crystal technical term. So <laughs> Moldavite uh, is green. So it definitely impacts your heart chakra, but it also is very awakening. It's known as an awakening crystal. So somebody who has no crystal connect or spiritual connection, Moldavite has been known like when you hold it, you're just like, ah, and you like become awakened. You know, I think that's extreme, but it happens. Or you hold a Moldavite and you close your eyes. And like me, you have had different visions that I've seen. It's like having like a ship taking a medicine, like a shamanic experience almost. It also definitely opens your third eye. It could even give you a headache or something called the Moldavite flush when you, your face turns red. So it's very activating. In fact, if I were to say, what does Moldavite do? It really activates your spirituality and accelerates your consciousness evolution. What about amethyst? Well, amethyst, it's like, what's your favorite food? You're like, Oh, well water. Because like you need water. Like, oh, I like a glass of water. Amethyst is like water. You always want it and you always need it. It's always good to come back to. It probably wasn't the best example of water. More like, what's like, you're Russian, Ksush, right? You love bread, right? Amethyst is like bread. There's so many different types of bread. It depends on how it's prepared. You could toast it. You could eat plain. You could put it on a sandwich. You could use butter. All of these different things. That's like your amethyst. It's like your your crystal that... No matter where you are, what you're feeling, what time of day, it's got something to offer you. So for me, amethyst, something that's calming, something that stimulates your third eye. It's like a calming feeling that brings me present to the spiritual realm and comes and and also works with me in wherever I'm at if I'm not even in a spiritual place. In fact, I have different points in my life. I've had different relationships with crystals. Sometimes I hold a crystal and I like see an entire world. Sometimes I hold a crystal and I feel very little. And it really depends on where I am in it just and I don't want to say in my life, but it depends on where I am in the the cycle of crystals, just like the moon has cycles. And I found a place like I also by the way know that even if I don't feel a crystal, it does not mean that it's not impacting my life. And I do know that there's times for no crystals, which is something that someone once suggested to me. And it was unthinkable. Like, no crystals? Like, yeah, just don't wear any crystals and take them all off. And I did that for a while. And I found it was very liberating for me to, it's almost like get rid of salt from your diet. And all of a sudden you put a little pinch of salt in. You're like, wow, that's a lot of flavor right there. So having no crystals is really valuable too. But what was the question again? So when you talk about, (laughs) working with crystals what do you mean by that and from my perspective there's not one way there's so many ways that you could implement them into your life for you the way that i've witnessed it it's mostly meditating with them and putting them on your desk but when you're talking about someone wanting to get into the world of crystals more perhaps someone's listening and they really want to experience moldavite they go to the store they pick the one that speaks to them what do they do next well and do you need to cleanse the crystal before you bring it home and by the way i'm asking all these questions i haven't cleansed the crystal in a very long time if you want the more direct answers with the instructions to all of these 
you can go straight to crystalcriminals.com because we have an online course that gives you directions and instructions exactly on how you can use crystals in your life in a very realistic way. But now we're just getting a little out of the box and sharing some of the more personal uses that have impacted our lives. Yes. Well, I like that you said that thing about cleansing crystals because it's one of those things like, you know, washing your face every day. I'll be honest. Do I wash my face every single day? No. But every time I do, I'm happy I did it. I'll tell you that. And so that's the thing about cleansing crystals is I don't always do it. But whenever I cleanse my crystals, when I hold them and pick them up, they feel fresh. They feel like it's like, you know, if you borrowed a shirt from someone and it smells like their laundry detergent. And then all of a sudden you bring it back, you wear it, you get your smell on it, and then you wash it with your laundry detergent. You're like, ah, it smells like home. It feels like mine. That's kind of like how, what you would do if you wanted to cleanse your crystal. You could do it with sage. You could do it with your own intention and your own energy. There's so many different ways to cleanse crystals. I think we talk about some of them in our crystal course that we have. Crystals IRL in real life. It's a great name. You came up with it. What was the other question about using crystals? We were going over the different crystals that have been the wow crystals in your life and their properties and how people can start using them. Interesting. Well, I'll tell you this. And also, what does someone do if they go to the store, they buy the crystal that they feel like in the moment is the one, and then you bring it home and you feel nothing? Oh, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Sometimes you're called to get a crystal that isn't for you. So maybe it's time to give it to someone else. Or perhaps it's working with you on a subconscious level but you might not be tuned into it directly in a way that you feel it in the human realm yet. I mean, I don't think there's anything to say after that. That sounds pretty good to me. I would probably say this about a crystal is if you listened to your gut when it came time to getting it or you were drawn to it, you should keep that crystal around. I think probably the good question to ask is how, what do I do with my crystal? I don't meditate or I do meditate, or whatever, you know, your meditation neutral, (laughs) whatever it is, what do I do with my crystals? So here's some really good things that you can do with your crystals. I take a lesson from my nephew's book. My nephew said to me, he goes, Uncle E.B., that's what he calls me. He goes, can I sleep with my crystals? I said, absolutely, buddy. I'll put them in your pillowcase for you. So there was a time when I used to sleep with like 10 crystals in my pillowcase, and I really did love it. So keeping a crystal in your pillowcase is an excellent thing to do to experience the benefit of crystals without using your active mind. So people like to put in Herkimer diamonds in their crystals because they're known as visionary crystals. People put them, I put a moldavite, pretty, that's a pretty intense crystal to put in there. Amethyst, labradorite, clear quartz. Or maybe if you are feel like you're drifting off and doing astral traveling or having weird, crazy dreams in your sleep, maybe put a little black tourmaline in there, maybe a little onyx, maybe a little red jasper, tiger's eye, hematite, whatever. All of these are, those are the, like the grounding, more protective type stones. You're bringing black tourmaline into the conversation. I feel like I can't skip the story that you have about black tourmaline in oh. your apartment. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. This is a great story. That actually ended inspiring one of the products that we used to carry on crystalcriminals.com. Oh my God, this is great. 
It's great. This is it's, so on the, I got my own apartment uh, for the first time when I was like 27 years old. I got to tell you, there's a train here. Let's just keep going. Sorry, guys. There's trains going on all the times. We're at an Airbnb in Tucson reporting live from Gem Show. Oh, yeah, yeah. This, this crystal talk right now, this podcast is in the depths of crystal love. There's right more crystals in this city right now than probably in every crystal shop around the world. Yes, that's probably accurate. So I get my own apartment and I'm not afraid of the dark, but I'm also, you know, been in the energy biz, <laughs> energy bit, you know, enough to know that there's a lot more in the world beyond what we can see with our eyes. So the presence of an energy that feels out of place in my apartment, when I had my own apartment, is almost more alarming than somebody physically in my apartment who shouldn't be there because I can call the police if somebody breaks into my house. But if there's a spirit or an energy in my house, there is no Ghostbusters. It's all about, I got to be the Ghostbuster. So never forget, I'm in my bed at my apartment and I had been hearing like a, like a in my apartment somewhere. I have had that before. It's so creepy. And you've had it. Have you had it in my apartment? Okay. So I'm getting chills right now. It was, it freaked me out. And so when I was time for me to go to bed, I would always like run into my bedroom because I just like didn't want to be in the apartment in the space between me like watching TV or making art or whatever and the time me ready to go to bed. It was always at that same time where like, I'm getting ready to retire. I'm not sleeping yet. And I'm not really quite done with my day. Like I'm done with my day, but I'm not sleeping. The interstitial space, that is a space. And so I wouldn't want to look inside in the windows because the reflection was coming back because it was dark outside. I'm getting freaked out just thinking about this. It was uncomfortable. So I'd go to my bed at night and I'd hear this tick, tick, tick noise. And I knew. I was like, there's nothing going on in this building. Like no one's making sounds like this is a spirit here. And so the next morning I wake up, I email my landlord and her name is Joyce. I say, Joyce, I'm telling you, like there are ghosts in the apartment and they won't go away. (laughs) The email back was, the official stance of this management company is that there are no ghosts. I don't know what to tell you. There's no problem with the building. <laughs> it cracked me up that she acknowledges the comment about ghosts or whatever she, and saying there's no, we don't believe in ghosts or spirits, but she was so respectful about it. You know, it was just so formal. And so I called up one of my friends who I've met at Burning Man, who's also involved in the shamanic world. I was like, listen, can you help me clear this place out? And I did talk to the spirits. It turns out to be, they were benign spirits. And they just kind of wanted to be acknowledged. Sometimes spirits just want to be acknowledged and they'll go away. But I was like, I got to create a really tight energy seal around this place and really protect it because, you know, I I have a life that I, you know, spirits know that I know they exist and maybe they want to kind of hang out as a result of that. Like, oh, this guy is involved in the spirit world. He's got something to offer or something like that. So I... I asked around and I found out that, you know, black tourmaline is something that you could place in the corners of your house to create a protective barrier, create like a, a force field. And so I did that. I got some, you know, nice pieces of black tourmaline and 
I would start placing crystals around my house strategically. And that ended up working really well. What exactly did you do? I put the black tourmaline in the most, I mean, it's an apartment, so there are corners, like the most eastern, the most western, the most northern, southern part of the apartment. And then I took a quartz crystal and I kind of made a crystal grid. My first like crystal grid was really a functional crystal grid, creating this protective energy and protective space in my apartment. And it made me feel better. And it, it worked pretty well. Did the ticking go away? It did go away. I did communicate with those spirits. Not like, how you doing, spirit? Oh, I'm doing good, Eric. I'm just hanging out here even though you don't want me. It wasn't like that. It was more like, you know, what's your name? Who are you? Tell me a little bit about you. It's just like, I'm kind of lost. You know, this is all I got. Would you mind getting out of here? You know, you're great and everything, but this isn't the place for you. So if you're someone who's listening and you've had a similar experience where you just walk into a space and you feel an energy there or presence and you want to try out crystals, I would recommend getting black tourmaline and putting it in every corner of that space, whether that's an apartment or a room, and see what happens. Oh, yeah, but I'd also like clear it out with some sage first, too, and open your windows and, you know, get everything. I've heard a lot of different, I told a lot of different people about this situation. They all recommended something different. So I would recommend asking a lot of people, uh, whether it's, you know, getting rid of energies you don't want in your house or whatever, any kind of question, kind of crowdsourcing, and then choosing the solution that feels most right for you. All right. So moving on, you mentioned crystal grids. Your first one was functional. And then you became known as the crystal grid master behind crystal criminals, an account that we started together two years ago now as a result of you going to the Tucson Gem and Mineral Show. So there's two aspects I want to get into here. One is what is it and how did it start and how do you channel this absolutely insanely stunning grids? And the second part is, you know, one of the questions I got on Instagram before we started recording this is, how do you break into the crystal business? And <laughs> that's not exactly the question we're going to answer. But the question that I want to get into is building a, a social media presence, an online presence around something you're passionate about, whether that's your business or just a hobby. I have seen such tremendous and such quick growth and recognition of crystal criminals and the account stood out so quickly and became this super recognized, super repostable place on the internet where you would find just absolutely unique crystal art that you couldn't find anywhere else. And immediately you got invited on podcasts. I started speaking about it. We started leading crystal workshops. We started curating crystals for different spaces around the world. It just snowballed. And one of the reasons why we ended up taking a break from it is because it just started taking over our lives while we were running other businesses. So let's get back into the first question is, what is Crystal Criminals? How did it start? And what are those grids that you put together? Wow. Was that a question or just the best summary I've ever heard of the last two years of our life, <laughs> Crystal-wise? I appreciate the 
Crystal Master. Although I think that's funny to say that. Crystal Grid Master. I mean, here's the truth. Guys, I just want you to know that first of all, Eric, as you have picked up from this conversation, when he gets into something, he gets into it super deep. So even though he's been in love with crystals for a long time, he only started going to shows a couple of years ago. And now when he shows up, he knows all the big guys. Everyone recognizes him. And you just see the best stuff. You can tell. You see When you see something that's unique, you know it. And I think that's a very unique gift. And I think it's part intuitive, but part a result of your inquisitive mind and how much research you do, whether that's, you know, sending messages back and forth with crystal miners in Pakistan all night long, or going to Namibia to Brandberg Mountain and mining amethysts yourself with me. I forgot about that, that Pakistan phase. I do love those guys. They have such beautiful minerals in Pakistan. Oh my God, aren't they amazing? Just aquamarine, fodden quartz, black tourmaline. Just their quartzes. Oh, God, I love it. Those minerals are so beautiful. Yeah, you get obsessed. Yeah, I do get obsessed. Well, I think getting obsessed is really important. Everyone has their own version of getting obsessed. You find something that you're passionate about that you can grab onto and, you know, stay up all night for a long time. <laughs> but let me, let me answer that question a little bit differently. Is that, is that as an artist, I was actually called by crystals to start using them in my artwork. Feeling a little bit stopped with whatever I was using to make my art at the time. And I thought, oh my God, crystals. It wasn't like a thought that I had. It was like a message that was implanted. People always talk about plant medicines and different kinds of things. I think it would do well for people to think about crystal as crystal medicine. Because crystal medicine is, crystals are are medicine for sure. So, you know, the, the being called to use crystals in my artwork coincided with going to Tucson to find them because I, I knew that I wasn't going to get the best deal. I like getting good deals, just like just like you do with going to TJ Maxx. I don't know if people know that. <laughs> but I like to get good deals. I also hate being ripped off. I hate being ripped off more than I like getting good deals, but just, just a little bit more because I do love good deals. So I went to Tucson just because I knew that the whole crystal world was there. I knew that I would find what I wanted and what I needed and what I could grow into. So I got these crystals to make, you know, into artwork, mostly a certain size crystal. And I asked around and I talked to people and I just, by asking questions and, you know, pretty much butting into all kinds of conversations, as you know, that I'm, you know, known to do. I learned a lot and I learned about the different places around the world that you can get crystals. And I could walk by a crystal vendor and look at their minerals and be like, oh, they're from here, they're from here, they're from there. Because I know that if someone has a lot of fossils and selenite and vanadinite, then they're going to be from Morocco. I know that if someone has smoky citrine, they're from Congo or from Zambia. I know that if someone's just packed with amethyst, of course, they're going to be from Brazil. And just, you know, or, oh, wow, wow, this person's got tons of aquamarine. Well, they're likely, if they're not from Brazil, because they're not going to have other stuff, they're going to be from Pakistan. So you just kind of learn these different things over time. You talk to people. And when I look at crystals, you were mentioning like how I, quote unquote, know so much about the quality is that 
I've just looked at so many different crystals so closely with a very high level of scrutiny. I just know what are the things to look for. So just for people out there who are interested in kind of knowing how to choose good crystals, one of the things I'd recommend is doing is like, how deep is the color of this crystal? If the depth of the color of this crystal looks too deep, it's probably fake. Uh, another thing I'd look at, how shiny is this crystal? So that's called luster. Uh, if a crystal is very lustrous, then it is typically of you know a higher quality version. So if you look at pyrite, some pyrites are like mirror sheen. Those ones are so awesome. Some pyrites are dull. Nothing wrong with dull. I'm just not interested in a dull pyrite. So going around to these diff- to the crystal shows, searching for what I was using to make art really helped propel my crystal knowledge forward and help propel my my passion for crystals. Because when you're somebody who's curious and passionate, what happens is you tend to get to go down these black holes of looking for stuff. So there was maybe a month or two months when all I would do was learn about Fodden quartz and clear quartz and different variations of quartz. If you buy that book, Love is in the Earth by Melody, Regardless of what you know, you think about her, what people say, or whatever, this book talks about or has is writings about over forty different kinds and variations and visions and stuff like that of clear quartz. Like, oh, look, there's a five seven five crystal. Oh, three seven three. Like all of these different facets. If you really look at your crystals, you will see that there are no two crystals that are alike or even close to being alike and appreciate them and love them like that, you will, the next natural question, the next natural thing to learn will naturally come to you. Now, I'm pretty sure I didn't answer your question. What was it? (laughs) How did Crystal Criminals get started? Okay. So I'll put us back on track here. You came back from the Tucson Gem and Mineral Show with what, 30 pounds of crystals? Babe, no. A hundred pounds. Okay. And you were sitting in our huge at the time living room before we moved into a tiny house and you were just sorting them and you were like a kid in a candy store. Oh yeah. yeah. Following the path. For some reason in my life at that time, it felt like I was as close to following my passion as I'd ever been in my life. Probably as close to following my passion as when I would play basketball as a kid every single day, all day. And then when I had my games coming up, like there was nothing more important in the entire world than those basketball games. That's how it felt. But I was an adult with crystals. Sorting these crystals, I learned so much just by sorting them. But as I started sorting them and looking through them and seeing the differences and similarities, I started seeing patterns for artwork. And instead of making artwork fixed work, like work that was immovable, I started placing crystals together, planning out artwork, and I started seeing that that was a form of an exp- of expression. That ephemeral nature of artwork was actually a great way of expressing myself. And it was cool because I could do it without being a perfectionist. I could do it every day. I didn't have to, you know, use crystals and then discard them or have them, you know, be off the table. I could reuse my favorite crystals. And so Xenia... I was like, oh, we should share this with people. And I said... Was that the voice I used? Uh, what was the voice I used for you? Oh, we should share this with people. I don't know. I was more like, 
I don't even have, I actually don't have a mock voice for you. I've got <laughs> one for a, so, I do so many accents. I don't have one for you. Wow. I just realized that for the first time. But she's a big sharer. I like sharing things like social media, but I got to be honest, I don't like the technical part of it. Like I don't like stopping what I'm doing to share and then going back to what I'm doing. I don't think it's inauthentic. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I just personally am not big on switching gears on things. I like to do the same thing for hours and I don't like to be interrupted. So that's, I, that's sometimes I feel like social media interrupts. For me, that's why I don't post more. But I also feel like my passion is making. Senya has a real passion for sharing on social media. I love it. She loves it. And I love that we partnered up together. You know, not like business perspective or, but I love that we're together because she's always encouraging me to share and create for the purpose of sharing or all the above. And I'm always thinking about creating. And so we have a great synergy because I'm creating and she's sharing. And that really is Crystal Criminals. It's that synergy of, of two passions from two different angles. There's the create and share. In fact, if I were to say sharing my creativity has always been one of my weakest things. Sharing my voice and talking <laughs> and, you know, sharing, let's say from a sales standpoint, like telling people about new things that are interesting. That's never been something I've stopped from share, but my, the passion from my work comes from doing it. And yours comes from really sharing it. Just to give you a deeper glimpse into the depth of Eric's use of his voice is pretty much 90% of the times we go out to eat to any cafe or restaurant, he'll turn around and start speaking to strangers about the most random things. That's how I learn. <laughs> I learn so very much. Uncomfortable. It does make you feel uncomfortable. But what's really great about you is that I also love cracking my toes. I don't even need to touch them. Just crack them. She hates it. And I honestly wish I could stop, but I can't. Okay, back to Crystal's. <laughs> so we're in Tucson, and we have just revived Crystal Criminals. One of the reasons we did it is because we found these absolutely rare, unique, special, unbelievable fairy stones. And when we find something like that, we want to share it with others. So we revived our website, our Instagram account, and we're sharing again. And Wait, hold on one second. I feel like we're, we can't say it like that because we came to Tucson with the, before we knew that we were going to find fairy stones. And the goal was like, listen, I'm, I'm called to come back here. I want to spend some of my time and energy really falling just like a relationship, you know, you can love someone, but when you create time to spend with that person and sanctify that time, you get closer with them. And that's how we felt about crystals. And I always wanted to bring you to Tucson with me because I definitely feel like it'd be us coming full circle to be here together. You know, it's crystal criminals started with the seed with me here and, you know, you pushing everything forward. And then, you know, us coming here together would be really like a, a re-enlivening, a re-awakening of that thing. I never thought Crystal Criminals was, was dead as much as I just felt like 
we want to create material from authentic true love and not from any other reason, which is one of the things that has always been like a thing with me on social media in general. And for a lot of people, you know, a lot of people who come to take my eight-week conscious social media program or people who listen to the podcast and end up messaging me on Instagram, that's the thing is how can you preserve your love for what you offer in the world and not feel salesy, not feel fake, and feel in your authentic aligned truth and who you actually are in the way you share online? Yeah, well, you know, Sometimes people feeling salesy makes them feel weird or something like that. But I hope you are salesy because, you know, that's how you build a business. There's no business without sales. So if uh, if you're stopped around that, I would definitely, you know, so you can have some success, pretty much rewire that. Because the number one reason businesses fail is lack of sales. And the number one reason businesses succeed is because of great sales. So... Maybe that's the one takeaway you get from this. That that would be an excellent takeaway if you're wanting to build a business through social media or enhance your business with social media or enhance your life with adapting your relationship with social media, all those different things. You know, that would all be a good takeaway. But is there a crystal for that? There's a crystal for that. <laughs> I would probably say like if I would there's a crystal to take away for your self-expression. It's definitely blues. The blue I'm game. I'm thinking about... Which your throat chakra. Exactly. Yeah. I'm. You know what's a really popular throat chakra crystal? Blue kyanite. Exactly what I was thinking. Really? Oh my God, we must know each other. I was also thinking turquoise came to mind. Turquoise is a really sweet one. I'm also thinking about what's the dark blue one that I recently picked up, I think in Argentina. Azurite? No, it's very dark blue. Very dark blue. We'll get back to you on that. Lapis lazuli. Yes. That's the one. Yeah. Lapis lazuli has a very rich tradition. It's a very, you know, when back in the day when they used to paint the Mother Mary Madonna in different paintings and in church paintings, the way that they would decide what color to paint her outfit was based off of what pigment was the most expensive pigment at the time. So at some time it was the Venetian crimson red, which was the crushed up red beetle. Other times it was blue because it was lapis lazuli. So from Afghanistan, they would import this crushed blue powder of lapis lazuli and paint her dress or her covering with this blue. And so that always brings to mind lapis lazuli. So since we're at it, why don't we share a couple more crystals that you would say are a great choice for someone who is stepping into their personal power as an entrepreneur, uh, someone who is looking for confidence in sharing their voice, whether that's online or offline and such. Wow, this is a great question. I feel like I'm I'm really the right person to answer this question. Like you've asked me a lot of questions and I've answered them, but my journey with crystals and our journey with crystal criminals has directly coincided with the highest highs and the lowest lows of entrepreneurship. And it's the passion for crystals and the thought that, Hey, maybe this could be a business was actually the straw that broke the camel's back that had me see for myself that I did not want to be, that I wanted to make my living from something that was not crystals and art and which was huge for me. And along the way, I found that 
there was different crystals that I still loved and wanted all the time. So let's pretty much get down to the biz crystals because if I think about the things that I experienced emotionally, I'm thinking about the crystals that make the biggest impact with those areas. And I'm looking at this quote unquote bad boy right now with pyrite. Pyrite is known as fool's gold. You probably heard that. But in terms of confidence, in terms of creativity, in terms of maintaining good habits, in terms of just overall luck, prosperity, all that kind of thing, pyrite is your go-to. I mean, it is so shiny. I know we're always trying to move away from shiny, but there's a reason gold is loved. It's because it is really shiny and pyrite's shiny too. And the formations are beautiful and the angles are very strong. You can see a lot of shadow and shine in pyrite, just like with a diamond, the way it's cut is it, it flashes light all around the place. So pyrite is a very male energy, but it also happens to balance male and female energies too. But it is representative of the sun and yellow and creativity and, you know, masculinity and personal power and confidence. I can't imagine a stone that would serve an entrepreneur better than a pyrite. But, you know, just along there, I I feel like I can't talk about business without talking about citrine, which has been always known as the merchant stone. Thing about citrine is that there are a lot of different grades of citrine. A lot of it is, you know, fake-ish or heated or enhanced. And, you know, it's tough to get a great piece of citrine. So I would probably say uh, pyrite is your go-to. Okay, we're, we're going more crystals. When it comes to biz, for me, like everyone knows what their strengths and weaknesses are. And I talked to my business partner and I, we were on one of the calls for the, my, a coaching program that I run. And I said, you know, Michael, tell everyone what my biggest weaknesses are. And he goes, oh, well, I would definitely say organization. I said, absolutely, spot on. And we can end the whole conversation here. That's like number 1A, 1B, 1C. And we can deal with the rest once these are, once this is dealt with. Yeah. So my organizational skills aren't excellent. And I found that what really helps is, is grounding. Grounding helps the rest of my life, my organization, my ability to switch tasks with efficiency. I got to say black tourmaline. I'm a big black tourmaline fan. That, that's just something that I use. A lot of people find it to be too powerful. In fact, I've actually kind of been feeling that way lately in the last six months. So I haven't been buying any black tourmaline. I like my fairy stone right now for my grounding. It's very subtle. But if you do want some grounding, I think a tiger's eye is excellent. A hematite is good. Obsidian is wonderful. Uh, you need a grounding stone. So you know, instead of black tourmaline, which is just amazing if you can get the really lustrous ones, Pakistan kills it with it, then you definitely want to get yourself a grounding stone. So let me just go through this again. Our nice red jasper, anything like green or brown, like a brownish green, earthy feeling, black. These are the colors, the reds, metallic, like a meteorite can be very grounding too, depending on what kind of meteorite it is. Oh, black. So we got that. So we got our, our golden pyrite. We got our grounding stone. And the last, the third, you know, pillar, third crystal, I kind of want to leave that open. But I think if we just go with what 
I talked about earlier about the most important thing in business is sales. I'd probably go with your fifth chakra, your blue blue stone, your communication. Now, you're not limited just to blue. A lot of the time, your communication has to do with the, the chakra right above, which is your third eye, because it allows you to be able to understand and interpret and see something beyond what you can normally hear. And that influences your communication. Or sometimes you're, you know, you you want to go green right below in your heart chakra because it allows you to open. It's a portal for receiving all sorts of important energy. So I think like the fourth, fifth, and sixth chakras, anything that will really help you there, whether it's from a spiritual development or heart opening place in business, it's really great to for me is to connect with people on those levels. I'm just curious when you share about crystals. Are you getting that from your personal experiences or are you downloading that information as you speak? Is there a difference? <laughs> well, everything and I I've known about crystals from the very beginning has always been like a gut feeling or like an innate love that I've had. So when I share something about crystals, I'm almost sometimes just putting words into a feeling or an experience that I've already had. So I'm not going to say this crystal does this because I read it in a book. I will sometimes have a very different experience from what I see is written on the internet. Not like this is black and I say white or that, but I'll have an experience that is, is a parallel experience that doesn't really touch on that. So for example, like I've never connected with fairies in the Davic realm by holding fairy stones. I could just have a different experience, but Everyone says that that's the experience. And, and I have no doubt that if I were attempting to connect with one of these beings and I picked up a fairy stone, that that would be something that would could help. But I hold this fairy stone because I find it to be so lightly grounding and it feels so calming and I feel like uplifted. So those are the energies. And maybe in three weeks from now, I'll look at this thing and think it's like, well, what, what am I holding here? You know, that, that's normal. And Oh, people, you know, like how people say with meditation, I'm just not good at it, or I just don't get crystals. Like, guess what? If you haven't already gotten crystals, the only way to get crystals is to be with crystals. Nobody starts off good at meditation. My dad's like, I don't like yoga. I'm not good at it. I'm like, dad, why would you be good at yoga? You've never done yoga. It's not even something that you could be good at. You can't be good at meditation. It's you either do it or you don't do it. You either hold crystals or you don't hold them. You have them near you or you don't have them near you. You consider them an ally or you consider them a thing. This was super helpful. I'm sure that everyone listening is taking lots of notes and learning a lot about how you can connect with crystals because that's what it's really about. And this is something we touch on in our course that you can get on crystalcriminals.com. If you're curious to really experience all the things we're talking about is crystals are just a tool. It's one of the tools you can have in your toolbox to connect to your own intuition, to connect to divine guidance, to the inner knowing that we all have access to. And if a shiny physical object is what gets you there, then I'm all for it. So on that note, I want to move into a couple of questions. And the first one comes from me. (laughs) (laughs) So since crystals got so popular in the last couple of years, there's also been controversy about them, about the environmental impact and also human impact, social impact. 
what how can we make sure that if we're called to work with crystals that we do it in a way that is ethical what are your thoughts on that and what's your experience because you you're someone who alongside me or me alongside you or us together has both been to the mines been to the shows and has seen different sides of the business that's an important question that I sometimes want to in my life shy away from because it's a difficult one and I do think that it that the demand for crystals is only going to grow because they're amazing and there is a limited amount of crystals on earth not like there's scarcity but there is a limited amount of crystals right it's it's a fixed amount and because crystals are often found in places that are third world countries there's an opportunity for exploitation of other human beings and mining is a very dangerous job and is a very tough job so you just want to keep that in mind that in order for you to get your crystal people have to work very hard under very tough conditions so that helps me respect crystals more but when it comes to crystals and making sure they're from the right place and everything like that I take a step back and think, where am I buying this crystal from? And what price am I paying for this crystal? And what's the quality of this crystal? So because I generally tend to know the people that I buy my crystals from, I know what type of person they are. You know, I don't know. I haven't, you know, done an audit with the IRS with them, but I've spoken to this person and I can see that they love and they're passionate about crystals. And I don't think you can really be too passionate and loving about crystals unless you really love people too. That's been my experience is that the people that love crystals love to love talking to other people about crystals. Like it is just the method through which they connect with other human beings. And so those people generally have good relationships with the people they get their crystals from, their miners. And I know that when I buy crystals from somebody who is passionate and is a nice guy, that I'm probably rewarding a chain of people in a good way. And when I buy crystals from people who generally don't seem to care too much about me, talking to me, other people, uh, they don't seem authentically engaged or interested in crystals themselves, they might just be in it for exploiting the opportunity right now which is like a really good crystal marketplace although in my mind it seems absolutely wacky to get into the world of crystals if you want to make money why don't you just go to wall street but <laughs> but it happens so the answer is like how do i know if my crystals are because if i were you madame audience out there i'd probably be thinking to myself well I'm, i want to buy crystals like how do i know and the first thing is ask if you're buying crystals from someone and they don't know where they come from probably paying too much the, the price you know that's the truth but oh this is really helpful so when we buy crystals or well, i buy crystals we together we always buy from someone who's connected to the source so we've been in tucson we've been to like six shows so far must have spent at least like 12 to 15 hours walking around i've only purchased crystals from two different vendors and I purchased from those two vendors. Oh, I did purchase from the one guy three different times. In fact, I liked what he had so many times. I kept on emailing him and calling him up to buy more from him. So I love the guy. He mines the crystals himself. It's his passion. 
They're also rarer. These are the fairy stones. So for me, like it was a no brainer for me to buy from this guy because I love what he has. I love how he gets them. And I know for a fact that like the loop feels so complete when I make the purchase. So I, we also purchased some pyrite and we bought that pyrite because I looked at it and it felt right. It felt so good. And I like buying from the people of the country. I like buying from someone who has a lot of one thing because they know the quality of that thing. So if I buy bread from someone who is, you know, doesn't make cookies and pastries, but all they do is make sourdough, which my darling woman over here is obsessed with. I know that their sourdough is probably going to be better than the dude next door who makes all sorts of different bed and pastries. It's it's because they probably just think a lot more about it. So that's how I think about crystals too. Any other, that leave any open threads there? I love that. I think the bottom line is that if you're going to a store then most of the times there's been so many people that handled the crystals before they get to your hands that it's it can get really hard to trace the source. And that's why if you have an opportunity to go to shows in Tucson and Denver or other smaller shows that happen in your city, it's such a great way to get your foot into that world and get to understand it a little deeper and really immerse yourself into it. Yeah. I also say this. There are certain countries you buy crystals from where it's just really hard to tell what the story is. And it just so happens to be that China is one of those countries. And also, you know, Brazil also, it's hard to understand the whole thing because it's it's such a big part of, you know, so much of the crystals of the world come from there. And of course, Africa, everyone's heard of like blood diamonds and stuff like that. That definitely exists with minerals and crystals there as well. So it's important that you can have a conversation with the person about where they come from. The people that we know, we buy crystals from, they know the miners. That's right. All right. A couple of questions for you, Eric. The first one is from Susan Fernan on Instagram. What is the best use for selenite? Cleansing. How would you use it? I like being in the presence of selenite. I feel like it's got like this, this aura to it that is like pushes away like a magnet would push away another magnet that it pushes away different energy that I don't need that doesn't serve me anymore. So I might take a nice bar of selenite and I might like comb it over my body. Like, you know how you would draw a chalk outline around a dead body at a crime scene? Terrible analogy. But you would kind of like draw an outline around your body with selenite and bring it all the way to the floor to kind of clear it out there. I'm really drawn to selenite right now alongside pink crystals. I go through phases and right now I'm really into phosphosiderite, which helps you find your spiritual purpose. All right, next question is from Jess underscore RB. How do you know if your crystal is working for you? It's a funny question. Not like it's a bad question. It's like an interesting question. Like, is this crystal working for me? Sometimes people have this idea that like a crystal owes you something. It's like, hey, I paid for this crystal. Like this should be doing this for me. In reality, like your your crystal doesn't work for you. It's you work with your crystal. So you got to be asking yourself, am I meditating with this thing? Am I clearing the energy of this thing? Am I sleeping with this thing? Am I doing activities 
or am I doing, you know, am I being a certain way that's going to give this crystal something to resonate with? And so whether it's working or not, I, I can't answer that question for you. But how I know my crystal is working for me, if I were to use that word, it's when I look at the crystal, do I have positive feelings of love and attachment and joy? So that's typically my way of looking at it. All right. Next question is from Carson Pickett. Can crystals choose you? Is it true that everyone has a dominant crystal? Well, can crystals choose you? 100%. Does everyone have a dominant crystal? I love one of those questions. Like it, it's making this assumption. Is it true that I've never heard of everyone have a, a dominant crystal? But I, I can say that, you know, if you look at astrology, every sign is associated with an element. So I'm a Gemini and that's associated with air. And so that's the element that I'm associated with. And I know that the a balance of air would be like earth because up in the air, down to earth. So I'm generally attracted to crystals that are earthy or crystals that are fiery. Generally not really attracted to water crystals. So I actually own almost zero blue crystals. I think turquoise is so beautiful. I own no turquoise. So my dominant crystals are generally like darker crystals. Clear, I love clear quartz crystal though. That's really true. They're um, like white and dark. I like those crystals and greens and pinks and stuff like that. But I'm not like a blue crystal dude. Is there anything else that I didn't ask you about that you feel called to share? Yeah. Thank you. I think crystals have been an amazing way for people to open up their spiritual, sorry, speed up and open up spiritual evolution and consciousness ascension. There we go. Those are the words I was looking for. Ascension, consciousness. They're throwing around a lot. I'm, I'm throwing them around specifically for the, the purpose of saying that I think crystals can be a great aid towards helping move you along further in your understanding that you are greater than a physical body, that life is more than waking up in the morning, drinking coffee, going to work, coming home. Like it, there's so much more to life that we're on a bigger arc and that there is a realm outside of the physical realm that both influences and in some ways, you know, practically speaking, doesn't influence, but that there that there's multiple layers of reality going on. And crystals make you aware of that. And for me, they've helped me harmonize those different realities together and help me make connections that I might never have made. So for me, the fact that I bring crystals into all different areas of my life, I'm bringing all sorts of information into my other areas of my life. So my passion for science comes in with crystals. My passion for art comes in with crystals. My passion for meditation comes in with crystals. And all of these things enriches, enrich my other areas of life and my other passions and interests. So I would say, what are you most passionate about? Bring crystals to that. That's my biggest advice. And I, don't, I can't tell you how, but that's for you to figure out. I love that. Thank you, Eric. For everyone who wants to connect with you and your crystal love further, where should they do that? Um, you should find me on Ksenia's social media. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you, can, you can connect with me on uh, at Eric Brief 
I can't promise you you'll get crazy fast lightning responses, but you will get messages from me. You can go on ericbrief.com to find out a little bit more about some of the artwork that I'm doing, although I haven't made a single painting in about six months, which is considerably quite some time for us. But I love crystal talk. And then if you see a crystal that really blows you away, you just got it, a great new crystal, you know, share it. I'm interested. Slide into his DMs. Slide into DMs. That's hilarious. Where can you connect with me? Yeah. Also, I mean, like I'm really focused actually on my other, on my other businesses in digital marketing, sales training around building a digital marketing business. I'm really focused on that right now. And I've actually found a great way to channel my creative energy that usually goes into making visual artwork and music and stuff like that, focusing all of it into my business right now. And I know that that's not something that's going to last forever, but I'm embracing it as I'm in there right now, just like I went through that intense crystal phase of, you know, making all sorts of grids all the time. Also, people ask, how do you, there's a, the question people have asked is, how do you come up with these grids? How do you do this? I promise you, I don't like make it up. I don't have a vote, a bank in my head that I'm like, Oh, I'll make, uh, I'll make that one from Tuesday. That's not how it works is that I, it's the act of sitting down and being present with the crystals and letting it's the channeling process, letting something come into my head, acknowledging and accepting and creating that I have something to make is the starting place like pulling an idea from the ether that they're like, I am somebody who pulls ideas from the ether. I am somebody who makes crystal grids and I'm somebody who has crystals and curates and buys crystals for the sake of bringing information, knowledge and channeling messages. Like all of these are givens for me and I'm somebody who channels energy period. All those things together just lead towards making these grids. And I try not to make a grid I try not to make a crystal energy piece for any other reason than that there's a message to come through. That's one of the things, and there's, a, and I, I like doing it. I just like to be somebody who contributes, and it's one way that I can do that. So I'm bringing in a lot of different reasons and things and stuff like that into how I do them. But ultimately, I think they make a difference for people. That's why I make crystal grids, and that's why I do this kind of stuff. It makes a difference for me. It makes a difference for other people. And it's fun. And I've connected with people through Crystal Passion so much. And it's brought me traveling all around the world that I'm really grateful to the people who love crystals and people who take care of the earth with crystals. And you know how people buy like a postcard or different kinds of like toys and stuff like that when they travel someplace? It's like for me, like I don't, I'm not interested in any of that stuff. I've never been that kind of collector type guy. I like to go to the place where there are crystals. I like to see what the crystal that's being mined is. I like to meet the people who are mining that crystal and who are passionate about it. And I just like to be a crystal tourist because there's something special about every place in the world. They have something mineralistic there and it impacts that culture. Just like, you know, people have different foods that they eat and spices. They have different crystals. Rich mineralistic soul. Thank you for this awesome, all-encompassing conversation. Guys, I hope that you took away something that inspires you to get present, whether that's with crystals or something else you're passionate about. and also gives you the confidence to share it with the world because this was just a glimpse into some of the magic that can happen when you take on the courage to 
share what you care about out there in the digital realm with other human beings. Yeah, thanks for having me on the podcast. It's really been fun. You know, it's, it's actually uh, 12.47 a.m. right now. We were too busy all evening posting some of the fairy stones on crystalcriminals.com to make them available for people. Yeah, it was really, really fun to post them and to share them because it's it's just my experience personally when I keep them to me. But when I share them, that's when the experience blows up. And that's when I, I have this overflowing energy of feeling of love and passion. It's passion is limited unless you share it with others. So that's why we're on, up late on this podcast. That's why I met with this one dude from Quebec three different times and looked in the back of his truck for hours and hours. And that's why I spent 15 hours sorting all these crystals and all for the sake of sharing and passion. So I hope that you will find so this will ignite some sort of passion in you and you'll bring crystals into it if you want to, or you'll say these things, well, crystals, forget about it. But you'll have some sort of opinion that's strong and that leads you to take action on something that's important in your life. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes and share it with a friend who you think could benefit from the message. Find all the show notes and all the resources on WokenWired.com and also join the WokenWired podcast listener Facebook group. It's a private group where you can connect with people who are like-minded and say hello on Instagram. Find me at Woke and Wired. Stay woke, stay wired, and take three deep breaths right now.